Hello and welcome to This is Modern Rock, the podcast that takes a month-by-month look at the modern rock charts. I'm your host, Will Westerkow. I'm joined today by my favorite guest, Orly. Hello. How's it going? Great to be back. You know, let me ask you this. Since this is a music podcast and all, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about asking my guests what music they've been listening to recently. So I'm going to just throw this out here. And so that you're not embarrassed, I, you know, I don't know what you listen to, but just so you're not embarrassed, <laughs> yes, you I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out here. The last album I listened to was Foreigner's Greatest Hits. Nice. So um, now you don't have to feel bad, whatever you, you might have listened why to. Why would that be bad? The last album I listened to was Favorite Worst Nightmare by the Arctic Monkeys. Nice. It's a good one. My kids like... Brian Storm. <laughs> Who doesn't? Right? <laughs> Today we're talking about September of 1993 on the modern rock charts. Do you happen to remember what you were up to in September of 1993? I believe I was watching Pearl Jam on the MTV Video Music Awards and just like dying. <laughs> yeah, I barely know what grade I was in. I was in seventh grade, so okay. do the math. Well, we're going to kick things off with a song that I like to call our mystery achievement. Okay. This is from the lower reaches of the modern rock charts, and you all get to see if you can figure out what it is. I do not know that song. No, I did not know I that one either. I think it felt vaguely familiar, but I don't know it. And for a while I was like, I can sing Mexican Moon over that. I can sing Mexican Radio over that. <laughs> Stop. That's interesting. This is actually a band called Plan B. Uh-huh. Not the birth control. Sure. And uh, not the British rapper, hmm. but a German band who I couldn't find much about other than a few comparisons here and there to U2 and The Clash. I maybe heard a little U2 in there. I don't know if I heard much Clash, but... No. I heard something else Brit poppy, but I'm not as knowledgeable in that. But you, were I was hear- like, you were hearing some kraut pop. I know, but it sounded Brit poppy. Oh, okay. In ways. Well, this is only 93. Brit pop's not... They're like two years ahead of the game. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Plan B kickstarted the Brit pop revolution. Don't you feel like you were getting some of that? <laughs> Yeah, I think I can see that a little bit. Yeah. I was going to give a fun fact about Plan B, but uh, it's very off topic, so I'm just going to keep on going. Oh, really? Well, I was just going to say Plan B the Rapper, which is not the band we just listened to. Plan B the Rapper's first album was called Who Needs Actions When You've Got Words, which is a line from a Meat Puppets song, Plateau, which was, of course, covered by Nirvana in the Mm -hmm. Unplugged album. So. Wow, you're just connecting, just connecting yeah, with yeah, I'm that. Yeah, connecting to seven degrees of plan wow, B. Wow, to Nirvana. Yeah. Hot stuff. Yeah, we mentioned Nirvana <laughs> in every single episode. 
You do love to mention them. Yeah, they get mentioned here mm-hmm. and there. All right, well, let's move on to the higher charting songs. We are going to kick things off with the first new number one of the month of September. Mm-hmm. And this is from Juliana Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Actually, technically, this is from the Juliana Hatfield 3. Okay. Julianne Hatfield is an American musician slash songwriter from the Boston area. Mm-hmm. And apparently she is descended from the Hatfields of the famous Hatfields and McCoys feud. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what, the legend Nepo has baby. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering, if we extended the feud into the modern rock era, who do you think would win, the Hatfields or the McCoys? Well, who's in the McCoys? Well, we got real McCoy. Okay. If you think they charted. <laughs> On the modern rock chart? Mm-hmm. I don't think they did. You're correct. This is Real McCoy of Another <laughs> Night fame. It was a huge hit. You want to see oh. me a clip? Another night, another dream, but always you. That's it. Number three on the Hot 100, but not a modern yeah. rock song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other McCoys? Uh, nope. There actually was another McCoy. Paul McCoy, who you might know as the rapper that was forced upon Evanescence in their oh, big hit, Bring Me to Life. Can't wake up. Because <laughs> he was really good. Yeah. Which, by the way, was also number one. So okay, we got but- a number one hit for Hatfield. We got a number one hit for McCoy. I was thinking it would be more like they have to be descended from the McCoys. Paul McCoy could be descended. We don't know that. <laughs> what about James Hetfield? Does he count? Metallica charted a few times here. No, I'm no. sorry. Maybe because it. <laughs> it's not how names work. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I guess we should say who won the feud. We got two number ones. A Hatfield um, number one, a McCoy number one. Who are you this one too? Is it a tie? Do we have to keep the feud going? I, I feel bad, but I have to go with the terrible one because that just seems like our world today. You're giving it to the McCoys. I'm giving it to the McCoys. Okay. Not because you like it better, but because you think that... That's how the world works. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the world is currently more in a, I can't wake up <laughs> sort of vibe. Yes. Yeah, than I've been a, singing about your yeah, sister. Yeah. Okay. I mean, spoiler alert. Don't tell people what the song is. <laughs> So, in 1986, Julianne Hatfield was attending the Berklee College of Music. She formed a band with John Strom and Frida Love. And legend has it that the band they formed asked beat poet Allen Ginsberg, who was visiting their campus, to name their band for them. And oh. he bestowed upon them the moniker of the Blake Babies. Okay. Have you heard of this band? Yeah. Yeah. So Blake Babies were never very popular in the mainstream, but they were fairly popular on college radio Mm -hmm. for a while. They released four albums before going on a lengthy hiatus in 1991. Okay. I should also mention that Lemonhead, Evan Dando, joined the Blake Babies for a short while before their hiatus. And of course, after the hiatus, Juliana Hatfield joined the Lemonheads as bassist and backup vocalist. Hmm. And we're going to be hearing Juliana Hatfield sing backup for the Lemonheads Two episodes from now. Whee! Which is pretty cool. Anyway, in 1992, Juliana Hatfield released her first solo album. In 1993, she formed the Juliana Hatfield Three. This time around, the other band members were Dean Fisher and Todd Phillips. And the first album by the band was called Become What You Are. This was Juliana Hatfield's biggest success and featured the lead single, My Sister, which spent one week at the top of the modern rock charts. Here it is. My Sister. My 
I absolutely loved it. That one bring you back? Yeah. Well, I liked it when it came out, but I like it even more now. Yeah, I feel like I like it more now, too. I didn't get it. Because you don't have a sister. (laughs) (laughs) I like songs that tell stories, Mm -hmm. and I forgot the whole story. Did you think that she had two sisters, one was a bitch and one was cool? I don't know what I thought. Anyway, so I just like it. It's very narrative. She's writing from the point of view of a like a younger person that's lost their older sister. I think she's writing from the point of view of a younger version of herself. So she lost someone? She doesn't actually have a sister. But this song is actually about her older brother's girlfriend who lived mm-hmm. with them for a okay. short while. So, so kind of, similar. Similar, kind of like yeah, sister. Yeah, my sister. Yeah. yeah. Who, she, of course, she thought was very cool. And also, yeah, it sounds like it. She thought she was a real B. What is that? A B word. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she thought she was a bitch. Which, I, you know, side note again, do you feel like this song was influential for Meredith Brooks? No, but this, this song was definitely influential for Veruca Salt. I hear Veruca Salt's all over that, except I think they even took it up a notch. They're so good. I can't wait till we get to Veruca Salt. You're stoked for mm-hmm. Veruca Salt. Yeah. So not a real sister, but... She's writing from her former self. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so it's a young character. Right. And did you catch that she said something about taking her to her first All Ages yes. show? And Violent Femmes and the Del Fuegos got a shout out there. Uh-huh. Violent Femmes, of course, modern rock artists. Of course. Del Fuegos actually charted one time on the modern rock charts with and i'm not making this up move with me sister oh both of them sisters yeah Hmm. Uh. coincidence (laughs) yes yeah i really liked it it was fun and wait in the beginning i got a little surprise you mean how it started like minor and then it like with yes. the, the Maya sisters, feel spooky, and then it shifts yeah. into that major key. Ma- yes, that mm-hmm. was so fun. Yeah. Sister. And you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Please <laughs> do more like that. <laughs> you're doing something different here. Yeah. Here's another sort of weird fact. My sister was successful enough to spawn a response track from fellow Berkeley College of Music alum, Melissa Farrick. And the song was called the Juliana Hadfield song, parentheses, Girls with guitars. Oh, was it rude? It seems a little sour grapes, honestly. Okay, if it's not totally kind, it's only sour grapes. Yeah. Juliana Hatfield continues to release new music. Notably, she reunited with the Blake Babies for an album in 2001. She reunited with the Juliana Hatfield 3 in 2015. And she's recorded a bunch of side projects, including a band with not a surf leader, Matthew Cause, mm. called Minor Alps. And what she was, was their song? Not a surf. Popular. Okay. And another band with head replacement, Paul Westerberg, called the mm. I Don't Cares. <laughs> and she's also released three entire albums of cover songs where she picks a specific artist and just covers that artist's song. So she's got an album of all Olivia Newton-John... She's got an album of all The Police, and she just recently put out an all ELO, Electric Light Orchestra album. Honestly, that sounds really fun. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I agree. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big ELO fan. I just mean doing an album. Oh, doing an all album. Yeah. Who would you cover? I don't know. I have to think about it. Arctic Monkeys. I would do the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> would you do them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an off-mic conversation. Well, let's keep going. My sister was on top for one week 
and then it was kicked off the top spot by another number one, this one from a band called Blind Melon. Mm. Blind Melon was formed in Los Angeles in 1990 by Roger Stevens, Brad Smith, and vocalist Shannon Hoon. They shortly thereafter added Christopher Thorne and Glenn Graham to their lineup, and the band's name comes from a term that Brad Smith's dad used to describe hippies. Okay. Question mark. None of the band was actually from L.A., though. Shannon Hoon was from Lafayette, Indiana. And sure he was. Do you know who else was from was Lafayette, say, Indiana? Kansas. Who? Kansas? The band Kansas? No. <laughs> no I was going to say he was from Kansas. He's from Indiana. Indiana. Sorry. No, who else was from Lafayette, Indiana is none other than Axl Rose. Oh, were they best buds? Shannon Hoon's sister was friends with Axl Rose. Oh. So when Shannon Hoon moved to L.A., he sure. got in contact with Axl Rose. This is before Blind Melon's sure. you know, big debut. And uh, Axl Rose invited him into the studio, and Shannon Hoon actually ends up as a backup singer on a few Use Your Illusion tracks. Whoa, one or two. I think one, huh. maybe two, maybe both. I don't know. Um, he actually, so he's on Don't Cry. Okay. And he actually appears in the music video for Guns N' Roses. I think I knew that. Don't Cry. I think I knew that. Really? Well, when you said it, I was like, that seems like a bit of trivia I knew. You're remembering the video now and you're like, there was Shannon Hoon in the no, back. No, no, no. It was more like it was brought up, okay. you know, like pointed out. I don't All right. I'm going to give you an Axl Rose, Don't Cry, and you give me some Shannon Hoon in the background. Right? Don't you cry tonight. I'm sorry. I, I still love you. <laughs> I'm going to let you just hang. <laughs> I'm just going to let you hang with that. Okay. Uh... <laughs> By the way, Guns N' Roses is also a modern rock charting artist. Sure. They charted with Chinese Democracy in 2008. <laughs> Can you believe how long we waited for that album? I mean, not we as in uh, you and me personally, but I just mean, you know, the world in well, how general. How long have we been waiting for Chinese Democracy, the concept? <laughs> Come on, China, get your act together. <laughs> Meanwhile... Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon, they were beginning to develop a following, and before long, they had recorded their self-titled debut album, which was released in September of 1992. And you might be saying, 1992? Aren't we talking about September 1993? And the answer is, yes, we are. And that's because their album went largely unnoticed yeah. upon its initial release. But MTV began putting No Rain into heavy rotation that summer, Yeah, summer of 1993. This is a video many of you might remember from the B-Girl. I do. Very well. After the MTV exposure, the album started shooting up the charts, and No Rain became the band's biggest hit, going to number one on the modern rock charts for three weeks. Let's give it a listen. Here it is. No Rain. I feel like I could well up with tears hearing that. You're feeling real nostalgic today. Oh my God. That, I mean, Juliana Hatfield one, I'd only heard maybe five to 10 times. Mm -hmm. 
But this song, because I was watching MTV relentlessly, it just like was so formative and I can just remember it so keenly. It's almost like I'm in that moment. Yeah. For me, and obviously this is a song I've heard a gazillion times, there's songs from this era, one hit wonders from this era that I heard so much on the radio and I don't really want to listen to them ever again. Uh This is not one of them. Like I'm never sad when this one comes on still. And I love the intro to the song. Oh my gosh. You know, I feel like it's right up there with uh, Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl. Like those guitars come in. I'm like, this is classic. Yeah. This is just so good to me. You know, people hate Brown Eyed Girl. Well, those people suck, and Brown Eyed Girl <laughs> is an awesome classic song. So, I mean, I just go like, well, they're wrong. But <laughs> did you catch his slightly Axel sounding voice? Oh, I caught it. Yeah. Do you think he's doing an Axel <laughs> a little bit? I feel like he might be. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe there's just something in the water in Lafayette that just causes men to sing that way. <laughs> I imagine they like smoke a lot of cigarettes too. Yeah. You know what? If we have any listeners from Lafayette, maybe they can write in and let me know. <laughs> yeah. Is this what everybody sounds like where you're from? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a fun fact about the B girl? Sure. Yeah. So the cover of the album also has a B girl on the front, mm-hmm. but it's a different B girl. Mm. The the one on the album cover is a real photo of Blind Melon drummer Glenn Graham's younger sister. Okay. <laughs> and so when they did the video, they were inspired by the album cover. And so uh-huh. they hired this other girl. To look like her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Similar outfit and everything. And man, that video really sparked something in the public's imagination because the B-girl was suddenly like a celebrity for a I short know. while. And she appeared on the 1993 MTV Video Music Awards. And she also appeared in Weird Al Yankovic's Bedrock Anthem. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yabba dabba do now. Why not? Anyway, Blind Melon aren't quite done after this song. For a short while, they were all over the place. They appeared on some tribute albums and compilations, and they played at Woodstock 94, which you may remember as the peaceful one. The peaceful, muddy one that I paid $50 out of my own pocket to get on pay-per-view. That's crazy, because I feel like actually going there would have cost $50 in 1994. How would I fly there? The old thumb. All the way across the country. The thumb and the leg. I grew up in California. See me in Woodstock, New York. I'm sure there's people that did. Yeah, you were 13. I would have definitely done that at 13, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the peaceful, the peaceful one, not the fires and sexual assault one. Right. Blind Melon's going to chart one more time in 1995 with a song called Galaxy from their follow-up album. Unfortunately, lead singer Shannon Hoon was struggling with drug addiction through much of this time period. And in 1995, he was found dead on a tour bus at the age of 28. Such tragedy all the time in the music industry. There really is. I feel like, I mean, just way too many episodes where I'm mentioning someone's untimely death. Yeah, horrible. And a few timely deaths, but... (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Burn on old people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've lived enough life. It's time for a heart attack, Boomer. (laughs) The band decided to carry on with a new lead singer, and they are still an active band today. Whoa. Although they never had much chart success as a post-Hoon band. I doubt it, yeah. Shannon Hoon was one of those barefoot on stage people. Yeah, he was. 
And that just was always a huge turnoff for me. Oh, I, so I, you've got like, what's the opposite of a foot fetish? Yeah, keep them covered. <laughs> <laughs> the more layers, the better. Ooh, baby, you six be, pairs of socks on that one. You can be naked from the ankles up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at you, Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> Toes the Wet Sprocket, more like it. <laughs> Did they do that? Were they barefoot on stage? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like when Red Hot Chili Peppers famously just wore a sock on That's their... okay. I was going to say, you wanted them to take it off and put it back on their foot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only acceptable time to not have shoes and socks on for men. So they're totally naked. <laughs> Hot takes. <laughs> Longtime listener Quentin Tarantino is outraged by your commentary. I said men. Women are allowed to have their feet out, obviously. Oh, oh okay, I <laughs> those see. Those are fine. You're one of those sexists I've heard about. <laughs> You've got one of those double standards that I learned about in college. Only the best ones. Only the ones that are okay. All right, moving down the charts, we're going to hear from a band called Catherine Wheel. Yo. Catherine Wheel actually charted six times on the modern rock charts Dang. altogether. Uh, they were formed in 1990 in England. The singer slash guitarist Rob Dickinson is, in fact, the cousin of Iron Maiden singer Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> More Nepo babies. Uh, we also got Brian Futter, Dave Hawes, and Neil Sims. And the band was named for a spinning firework called the Catherine Wheel, mm. which in turn was named for a medieval torture device. I know. I thought it was like something they put in sex dungeons. I don't know anything about sex dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> I read a book okay. once. <laughs> Anyway, the Catherine Wheel was originally called the Breaking Wheel or the Execution Wheel or sometimes just the Wheel uh, until, as legend has it, St. Catherine of Alexandria was sentenced to be tortured on the device. But when she touched it, it broke and fell to pieces. Then they named it after her? And then they named it after her, the Catherine Wheel. Anyway, that story sounds cool and you're like, whoa, she's a badass, touches this thing and it breaks until you find out that... Apparently, they just decided to behead her afterward. They're like, oh, that, the wheel didn't work? All right, chop her head off. Oh, no, I'm sorry I laughed. Although, um, when they cut her head off, a milky substance flowed from her neck instead of blood. Ew. So, ew is right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everyone loves their Catherine wheels because David Byrne also named a 1981 album of his, a solo album, Catherine Wheel. Mm-hmm. And also, there is another Catherine Wheel band this one from Australia, and they predate the English Catherine Wheel by about a year, I think. Mm, oh, do they have to have, like, Catherine Wheel UK? Yeah, Catherine Wheel UK, Catherine Wheel Australia. No, that'd be more like, Catherine Wheel. Catherine, Catherine Wheel. No, I don't think so, because the other Catherine Wheel was never famous or whatever. Oh. So the only reason I know about them is because I found a Catherine Wheel EP in a dollar bin years ago. Okay. And I was like, Catherine Wheel, let's grab this for a dollar, and I put it on, and I'm like, this is... Not Catherine. Wait, you got the Australian one? I do. I have the Australian Catherine Wheel EP. And the thing about it is, I actually liked it. Wow. It's a, it a pretty cool just, little EP. Just name your band um, Catherine Wheel. Yeah. And actually, just because no one will ever, ever give Catherine Wheel Australia any publicity, I'm going to play the Australia clip. Oh. And let the world know about the other Catherine yeah. Wheel. Yeah. Here's a song called Almost Blind by Catherine Wheel Australia.
Wait, what was the name of that song? Almost Blind. Almost Blind Melon. Oh, oh, you like that? Catherine Wheel UK, their debut album, Ferment, was well-received and placed them pretty squarely into the shoegaze scene. By the time of their follow-up album, 1993's Chrome, the band has started moving into more of a, an alternative hard rock direction. Mm. Although it still contains many shoegaze elements, enough anyway to be selected as Pitchfork Media's ninth best shoegaze album of all time. Oh, ninth. <laughs> Not bad, Catherine Wheel <laughs> Top UK. Top nine. Eight bands are better than you. At shoegazing. At shoe- <laughs> the first single from Chrome, which is called Crank, became the band's biggest hit in the U.S., charting at number five on the modern rock charts. And here it is. So does this guy like really love speed? It could be about drugs. It could be about being a crotchety old geezer. It could no. be about yanking his crank. No. No, you think it's just about drugs? What did he say? I need more. I, I need some crank. I, he said, I need more of that speed. Give I, it wa- to me now. I want more crank. There's plenty to like about that song. But I really like to hear lyrics. And the first two songs, they're very clear. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. These are buried. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. But also in terms of shoegaze in general, these lyrics are super clear and upfront. Well, like, and I was going to say, if I'm going to listen to shoegaze, which sometimes I do, but it's not like my number one top uh-huh. genre, uh, I would much rather listen to something yeah. like this than a lot of other bands yeah. because a lot of shoegaze is about texture and mood and the vocals get really buried. And yeah. sometimes like the lyrics don't even matter and you can't even make them out at all. Um, Here there's melody. Like, yeah, no, there definitely is. Yes, it's like in a spacey wash kind of, but like you can sing along and you can, can. you know, a few listens. You, I'm sure you can figure out most of the lyrics. It, it just sounded like a love song to crank. The guy's in love with crank. So, you know what? I had a friend who would literally talk about crank like that, how it made her feel. It was her boyfriend. In- crank. Invincible. It and makes like, me feel invincible. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do not condone no, horrible. No, it destroyed her. Yeah, let's teach our listeners a lesson about crank in case they don't know. What happened to your friend, Orly? <laughs> she had a lot of terrible things happen to her and to herself. Methamphetamines are no joke. They will destroy you in months. I swear they can. <laughs> anyway, I had a hard time getting over the fact that it was a song about crank. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. But yeah, I thought I was thinking the exact same thing. Oh, like, oh, yeah, it is shoegazy, but this has got a melody and it's got song structure. Yeah. Here's the chorus. Yeah, I was kind of into it. Yeah. The band carried on for a bit. In 2000, they modified their name from Catherine Wheel to The Catherine Wheel. (laughs) (laughs) It's really important that we get this press release out. (laughs) I wonder if that's because Catherine Wheel Australia broke up. So they're like, well, now we're The Catherine Wheel. Not a Catherine wheel. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, they released their fifth album in 2000, and then they went on hiatus until last year when they suddenly showed up on Instagram, causing speculation that they might be returning at some point in the future, but as of yet, still no word. Okay. We got one more. Pet Shop Boys. Synth pop legends. <laughs> <laughs> This is a synth-pop duo formed in London in 1981. And I'm sorry, did I say synth-pop duo? What I meant was, according to Guinness Book of World Records, the most successful duo in UK history. Good for them. So when I said legends, I was not joking. Like, like this is Guinness Book of World Records. Duo. Boom. Yeah. The duo is Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. And before you ask, because I know you were going to, hmm. Neil Tennant is not related to the 10th doctor, David Tennant. Wasn't on my mind. <laughs> I was actually wondering who his landlord was. <laughs> what do you mean who's landlord? Oh, because it's his tenant. <laughs> but David Tennant's name is actually David McDonald. And when young David McDonald was choosing a new name to use professionally <laughs> for his acting career, he decided to pick it by flipping through a music magazine, stumbled upon the Pet Shop Boys, oh. and in fact named himself after Neil Tennant. What? David Tennant, the actor, Doctor Who, is named after Neil Tennant. He named himself after Neil Tennant. So technically, yes, they are named after each other. Yes. They're practically brothers. Yeah. Wow. Pet Shop Boys, they've released a ton of albums. They've put out like 70 singles. A re-recording of their debut single, West End Girls, hit number one in both the US and the UK in 1986. I love that one. And then they had three more number ones in the UK and a bunch more hit albums and singles. Like, these guys are huge in England. Not so much in the US. Well, I take that back. They've been very successful on the dance charts over here. Mm-hmm. In 1993, the Pet Shop Boys released their fifth studio album called Very. The original CD release came in a weird orange bumpy plastic case that kind of looked like a Lego. Whoa. And the album was something of a comeback for the band, garnering critical raves and reaching number one on the UK album charts. I think it might actually be their only UK number one album. Whoa. And the album Very is sometimes considered to be the Pet Shop Boys coming out album since it was around this time that Neil Tennant publicly discussed his sexuality for the first time. Yeah. The first single from Very is called Can You Forgive Her? It's a song dealing with humiliation and rejection. Very. It reached number 10 on the modern rock charts, making it the Pet Shop Boys' third and final Mm. modern rock song. Whoa, because the other ones were too old. Exactly, because the other ones came out before the modern rock charts started in September of 1988. Yeah. Here it is. Can You Forgive Her? Can you forgive her? 
She sounds pretty terrible. You're talking about her, not the song. No, yeah, her. I don't know if I can forgive her, but I did love the song. Yeah. It was great, like, right off the bat. Good hook. Yeah. Yeah. These guys never met an orchestral hit that they didn't like. I'm cool with it. (laughs) And I can hear the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it too. You know, a lot of the early Pet Shop Boys, it's a little too detached and cold Mm. for my taste. I mean, they're good pop songwriters, obviously. For sure. It's not that I don't like their songs, but there is like this remove. Yeah. This has more heart. Yeah. It's a little warmer. Yeah. I did hear you mention when we were listening to the song that you're like, they're singing about her. And that's true. Although I think some other songs on this album are about men. Mm-hmm. or More openly. Yes. This one was actually written after Neil Tennant read an Anthony Trollope novel from 1864 called Can You Forgive Her? Oh. So he was inspired to write the song. So I have not read the book. I don't know much about it, right. but I, I can imagine that he borrowed some part of the story right. from the novel. A gripping tale. Yeah. Uh, which is why we end up with a female character uh-huh. or a heterosexual so He's also telling a story. Thing. Yeah. It's like a person that was terrible to someone, and then he goes like, but if she comes back, will I forgive her? Yeah. She was making fun of this guy publicly. Oh, I know. Because he likes to disco dance instead of rock music. What the <laughs> heck? That was happening in 1824? <laughs> Some creative license. Right. He's over there showing his high heel at, to everyone. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> Can't we like disco dancing and rock music? Absolutely. (sighs) Well, for a duo that has sold so many records Mm -hmm. and been around for so long, they've been very private about their private lives for the most part. So there's not the kind of juicy gossip that you might get from some other bands who've been around for so long. Hot goss. Not a lot of, yeah. (laughs) Is that what they call it these days? Yeah. Not a lot of hot goss uh, (laughs) to disclose about Neil and Chris, but... You know, that's okay. They are still around, still charting. I love that for them. Pretty recently. And you know what? Just because it's my show and I get to do this, I want to play another Pet Shop Boy song. Okay. When I was in college, I was given a mix CD that had, you know, what I'll call a later era Pet Shop Boys. Mm-hmm. It was from 2000. Uh, it had a Pet Shop Boys track called You Only Tell Me You Love Me When You're Drunk. Mm-hmm. I don't think the song was ever a single, but it really connected with me and it felt warmer and more emotional than I felt from any of their other songs up to that point, the ones I'd heard anyway. Right. And um, I just thought it was a really good song and I thought, uh, you know, let's let's share it with the listeners. Inspired the Arctic Monkeys? Why you only call me when you're high? Possibly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, Um, one thing I love about the Pet Shop Boys is how distinct their sound and his voices. Oh, like, absolutely, yeah. Oh, I love the that about you hear bands. It, you're like, yeah. Pet Shop Boys. I love that. Yeah. Here's a clip of You Only Tell Me You Love Me When You're Drunk. What a performance tonight Should I react or turn off the light Looks like you're picking a fight In a blood
It's heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> that made me too sad. That's not something I would pull out and be like, let's listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> there are songs that make me cry that I listen to, but they're not tear jerkers. They're not like, you're going to be sad. It's more like, oh my gosh, the tone of their voice is bringing me to tears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I do enjoy a tearjerker on occasion. Yeah, yeah I don't want and that. The ones that like really stir some emotion in me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that was our four bands for the episode. This was September 1993. Thank you all for listening. If you haven't done so already, it would be amazing if you could rate, review, and subscribe. And send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Orly, you got anything you're promoting these days? Absolutely not. <laughs> this podcast, listen to This Is Modern Rock. I've been on it frequently. Oh, sweet. All right. And rather than ending things with the closing theme song, let's hear some ELO Ooh. as performed by Juliana Hatfield. This is her version of ELO's Can't Get It Out of My Head. Enjoy. Enjoy.